0: From
1: a Certain Point of View. Hello there, and welcome to episode 25 of the From a Certain Point of View podcast. We have a very exciting show for you today. I am Josh. I'm Adam. And, um, yeah, again, we're we're really excited to be here talking Star Wars this afternoon. If you're joining us in the live chat, whether it's on YouTube or we live on Facebook as well. Yeah, Yeah, we're live um, on both. We're really appreciative of that. And we're if you're Absolutely. listening to this a little bit later in the podcast version, thank you so much. And um, Adam, what have you been up to this week?
0: Uh, not a whole lot in Star Wars. It's been a weird week for me. Uh, but I did uh watch Clone Wars a couple of times yesterday. I read a little bit more of Poe Dameron, uh the comic series. And, you know, that's that's probably about it. Did a little other little tiny things here and there, but uh, that's mainly the Star Wars stuff that I did this week. How about you?
1: Well, um this week I I did a lot of animated Star Wars. Um okay, I finished cool. fi- finally finished uh Resistance. The last uh, I needed to watch like the last 3 episodes and um you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought the last three episodes were some of the best of the entire series. Um, there nice. were some great, like, like classic dogfight sequences in there um, that were really cool. There was some great action against the First Order. Um, a good, there was even a redemption story in there, which you got to love in Star Wars. And um, it's my favorite kind you know, just, yeah, just, just a, a lot of good stuff. And as always, the show is just beautiful visually you know, especially on, on Disney plus mm-hmm. and everything. It just looks great. Um, nice. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. And then I, uh, also continued my, my watch of clone Wars season five. I'm about halfway through the season at this point. Okay. And, um, last night watched the newest episode of the clone wars. And then it got up the this morning and I was like, Brittany, you got to watch this with me <laughs> and, and Sydney watched it too. And, um, I watched it a second time this morning, mm-hmm. and Sydney was like, "Oh, I really like that girl." I'm like, "That's Ahsoka," and she's like, "Oh, I love Ahsoka," and I'm like, "Me too." <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, yeah, yeah, raising that's her right. Been going. I like to hear it. Yeah, she knows what's good. <laughs> so, what's coming up on? Oh, we have uh, poll results. Yeah, we have a big poll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a great response on the poll this week. Let me pull yeah. that up. And um, best we ever. had, yeah, it was. I mean, we had. Man, what was it? Over 107 votes. And the poll question was if you had to choose, what is your preferred viewing order of the Star Wars Mm -hmm. films? Yep. And uh,
0: we we talked about that last week. Yeah, we talked.
1: Yeah, I always like to tie our poll question into something that we talked about on the previous show. And um, 54% of the vote went to chronological order, which was also the winning answer. Uh, 38% was release order. And then eight percent was machete order. So, sure. what are your thoughts on these poll results this week, Adam?
0: Um, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised. I, I think that, I think that's about right. Yeah, it feels about right to me. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, I mean i I went with release order and and my vote just okay. thinking about like, especially if I'm showing this to somebody for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everything which we talked about, right? And, and then I would probably go chronological order after that. So I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I answered I, it
0: from from me. So for me, I I definitely go chronological. So
1: yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much. If yep. you're listening and and you voted and participated in the poll, that was uh, very encouraging. And Adam's going to tell us what's coming up on today's show.
0: Yeah, actually, kind of out of nowhere, we got a lot of news this week. And uh, so we have, you know, a good half a dozen news stories, at least, to talk about here. Uh, We have uh, uh, an awesome episode of Clone Wars. Uh, Episode 9 was was pretty special.
1: Amazing. And
0: we're going to revisit Rogue One. There was a little bit of uh, discussion around Rogue One this week, so we're going to kind of look back at uh, some uh, production uh, production aspects of Rogue One, where it started and where it ended up. Uh, So that's the show this week. Uh, Once again, we are... Uh, live on youtube and thanks for everyone for hanging out i uh i see roar farm boy and two med two star wars network in there uh so that's awesome if you're in chat make sure you make sure you say hi so we can get your name on the show there uh but yeah i are you ready to jump into news
1: yeah let's dive into our heavy news segment
0: well you want the bad news or the really bad news <laughs> All right. Like I said, lots of news this week. So we're going to start off uh, by reminding you that we're now affiliated with FarFarAwayNews.com. So pretty much all of these, except for one little oddball story at the end, comes from uh, FarFarAwayNews.com. A great website for pretty much everything. There's some pretty neat merch, and they're updating some merch uh, today, uh, almost as we speak, actually. Uh, So you can get some pretty cool... Pretty cool, far far away gear, but they also have tons of news and stories, and you know we'll get into. I wrote my first one this week, so we'll talk about that in a little bit.
1: Uh, but first, up... yes, yes, I am now following Far Far Away News religiously, yeah. so I'm I'm checking yeah. the website every day. <laughs> yeah, they do a
0: lot of fun stuff, so just, yeah. just check them out, even for more stuff. than just news. So make sure you guys check them out; they're, they're pretty pretty awesome. So, mm-hmm. uh, but our first story is that Bob Iger uh, reasserts control as CEO of Walt Disney uh, Company. Um, my my first thought on this and, and well before we get into that uh, let me read you Bob's quote here uh, Uncle Bob as Josh likes to call him
1: Uncle Bob <laughs> uh, a,
0: a crisis of this magnitude, magnitude and we're talking about COVID-19 uh, a crisis of this magnitude and its impact on Disney would necessarily result in my actively helping Bob uh, Chapic and the company contend with it particularly since I ran the company for 15 years uh, so this is really a, a, a temporary thing for, uh, for Bob. He's he's jumping in to, to kind of help guide the ship because, I mean, the, not just Disney, but every company's out there. It, it, every company out there is in a very awkward position at this moment in time
1: mm-hmm.
0: with everything going on. Uh, and, you know, Disney is no exception. We're talking, you know, delaying major productions. We're talking about moving release dates. We're talking about all of their parks being totally shut down, which doesn't happen ever,
1: yeah, you know I think that's gotta that's gotta be a major hit even the parks alone that situation you know
0: yeah yeah definitely uh so so Bob's jumping and he has the experience of uh of a seasoned c e o at this point, point. and it, it, you know it's just a rough time to hand the company off to to anybody um and I'm I'm sure but I'm sure Bob Chapik isn't too upset that he'll have some help here. Um But yeah, what do you think about yeah, this, Josh? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, in my opinion, at least in recent memory, Bob Iger has been the best Disney CEO in in my humble opinion, and I have a lot of faith and confidence I mean, Walt, in Walt and, wasn't and, bad. Well, I mean, you know, in recent <laughs> recent memory, yeah, right. I wasn't around during <laughs> those days, but um yeah, Walt was pretty good. But uh yeah. Bob, I think is great. And, you know, I was, I was kind of talking to my wife. I was like, man, I was like, Bob Chapek's got to be like, yeah, what a great, <laughs> great time to be yeah. in this new role. And I was like, you know, I think we need, yeah, he's, need Bob your back a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's probably
0: wiping his brow a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I kind of, I think this was kind maybe of, maybe this would happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did too, and that's like back when Bob first announced that he was stepping out, you know, stepping down. Like, I, it didn't feel like the end for me. Not that I knew that this was going to happen because nobody could have predicted this. Um, but it, I, I like it, I knew it wasn't the end for for Iger at that point, you know, right? And uh, I I think this was maybe blown out of proportion a good bit also uh, this week because he's not taking back the company he's stepping in to help out for a limited amount of time and then i am he's going to go back to what his original plan was so
1: yeah i mean i i think that's that makes sense
0: yeah so uh we have some casting news to talk about and first is it seems like we've talked about this every week but why not talk about it again uh rosario Dawson actually broke her silence on the ahsoka tono news and uh we don't have any confirmation but we have some interesting quotes here i uh, love s- her
1: quotes yeah yeah <laughs>
0: yeah i mean like so we don't have confirmation but if you can get like one degree below confirmation i think this is probably it <laughs>
1: so i think this puts us at like 99 percent.
0: yeah yeah uh but she says that's not qu- uh, that's not confirmed yet but when that happens i will be very happy when that happens, I will be very yet, happy.
1: <laughs> yet yet and when are the two I'm, key words.
0: I'm very excited for that to be confirmed at some point. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Um
0: <laughs> uh, and then she says it would be a uh, a million and one percent because of the fans. So uh, and like I said, that's a du- direct quote from Rosario Dawson. So we have like you said, yet, we have when, and she says yeah. she's excited for it to be confirmed at some point.
1: <laughs> I'm sure not... <laughs> it's one of those things like yeah. with you with you and McGregor, like just couldn't wait until this th- Yeah,
0: like he talked was... about he had to wait for so many years yeah. before he could say <laughs> something. Yeah
1: and I'm sure this is the same kind of situation where Rosario is really excited about this role oh, I'm sure. and she really I'm sure. wants to talk about it, but she can't. She's
0: not really, she's not really, um, um and she's not really politely shoving it aside like Ewan did though. <laughs>
1: she's, right. She's you know? just kind of a little more <laughs> obvious yeah, we're, about we're, it. not, we're, not we're, so, not so subtle.
0: Yeah. You know, whereas Ewan would always say, you know, I'm always open to coming back and that type of stuff. Yeah. She's saying, you know, It's not yet, but when it happens, I'm ready. Yeah, but when it
1: happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, there's just as many people that might be upset that this role didn't go to Ashley Eckstein. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just as many, many, if not more, um, have been pushing for Rosario Dawson in this role, and I I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think Ashley will always be the voice of Ahsoka, Mm -hmm. especially in animated um, Star Wars and I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the physicality of the, the role and the look of the person being sure. in the live action. And I think Rosario fits, checks those boxes. And, uh, um, I, you know, is it possible that Ashley could do a voiceover of Ahsoka for live action? I mean, it's possible. I don't know it's if that's possible. That'll happen.
0: I, I think that would be um, less likely, especially if she's going to yeah. spin this off into her own series. You know, I don't think you'd want someone's yeah, think... over rosario for an entire series but if it was if it's only just for a cameo then i can understand that kind of like the uh mall thing in in solo
1: yes um so you know i don't think that'll happen but you right. know ash ashley always has a, a very important now, place I, I,
0: I forget what show it was and i and I feel bad because that means i can't credit it but someone was saying that i was listening to another podcast and someone was saying that ahsoka has that uh that younger Ahsoka look and Rosario has that older Ahsoka look, which I, I, I totally buy into. Um, I think that makes sense I, too. I yeah. Makes a lot of sense, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we have to think about the fact that this is, this is post return of the Jedi, um, and everything. And, and you know what? Um, I'm just so excited about the possibility of, a Ahsoka a series, you know, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I I can only imagine that Dave Filoni would be the the showrunner of of that series as well. So,
0: mm-hmm. right, right, yeah. So, uh, keeping with casting news, uh, we've got casting Andor news, and I'm actually very excited for this one. And it's weird because I've been watching some Marvel movies, some of the early ones uh, mm-hmm. this week. Uh, but Stellan Skarsgård, uh, if I hope I'm saying that right.
1: You got it. Yep.
0: Nice. And uh, Kyle Soler have both been cast for unspecified roles in the casting Andor series. Uh, we don't have any details, uh, but they, but uh, Variety, who who broke this news, said that uh, both actors are still in final negotiations for their roles. Um, I'm sure you're probably a lot more
1: familiar with uh, Kyle Soler. Actually I'm a lot more familiar with um I mean Stella I mean I mean than Scars
0: I am because I'm really not familiar with Kyle. Yeah, I really I'm not,
1: I'm not sh- I don't you know he might have um, been in something that I'm maybe not aware of, you know, okay. but he he wasn't t- familiar to me. Okay. So um
0: I I'm I'm extremely excited for uh, uh um selling cars
1: Same same yeah, here.
0: Uh that that kind of caught me off guard a good bit. And mm-hmm. even if I'm not excited for casting Andor as a whole, I am extremely excited to see what he uh, can do in a Star Wars role. Uh, almost kind of like, uh, and I'm blanking on his name, but the client. In, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I kind of equate it to that kind of role, you know? That mm-hmm. kind of character. i with you.
1: And, you know, you know Selen Skarsgård was, I mean, he was uh bootstrap Bill in Pirates of the Caribbean. Is that cr- that's correct. I
0: think oh yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah absolutely and yep. um and he was in the marvel films the marvel what was the series? role
0: uh he was uh oh geez i just watched i can't remember i just watched the word the other day um yeah
1: he was like a, was, a physicist dog- uh, like yeah yeah
0: yeah he was uh he was um uh, let me look it up
1: now while you're now looking that I have up, to look Adam,
0: at it uh he was
1: uh go ahead I think the thing I might be most excited about is that he was also in Chernobyl. And um oh, okay. you know, I I know this show added I forget if it was uh if it was a cinematographer or writer or, or chat something. Chat'll help me out. Something for for Chern- Chernobyl, but they've also added Stellan Skarsgarden and he was brilliant in Chernobyl. And okay, I, I can't cool. wait to see what what he can do in, in this series.
0: Excellent. Uh, anyone in chat know the name of Stellan Skarsgård character in the Marvel movie? Thor, and he was in the first Avengers. Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully uh, they can if, help
1: us out in the chat.
0: Yep. Um, And I'm looking through Kyle Soller's IMDB credits, and uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: honestly, there's not a whole lot. I mean, he's been acting for a while. We, we have credits all the way back to 2010. Uh, but there's not a whole lot that I'm... Uh, there's a lot of TV stuff in here um yeah not a lot that i'm familiar with but honestly i don't watch a whole lot of tv anyway so sure um so yeah uh, i have some pretty cool pretty cool casting there for casting and or which is, which is nice definitely all right we are starting to get some May 4th news, which is exciting. You know, May 4th is always a huge time around Star Wars, and we usually end up getting some deals, and that's some of the first news that we got this week. Uh, and what we're getting is uh, special prices on the digital versions of the Star Wars movies. Uh, Dis- uh, Disney is offering uh, pretty much, and, and this is uh, this is actually starting now, uh, but... They're offering each week a different set of movies with 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 a particular theme, uh, I, on digital and 4K starting at just 4.99, uh, which is a heck of a price. Uh, May the fourth, uh, the week of May the fourth is Star Wars week, which means that every saga film, along with the two anthology films, will all be on sale. Uh, there's also a digital bundle uh, of this of the Skywalker saga films, mm-hmm. which is uh, episodes one through nine. But not Rogue One and Solo. Uh, those will all be on sale, and uh, it's important to note that this, that the press release, says they start at four ninety nine. So I wouldn't expect every movie in there to be four ninety nine. I wouldn't yeah, expect Rise of Skywalker uh, to be right. four ninety nine. But um, yeah,
1: and I don't know if there'll be a difference in price between like the mm-hmm. Blu Ray version and the four K version or whatever. But
0: hey, Jedi, uh, Jedi Fangirl has Eric, uh, Doctor yeah, Eric Selvig. Eric Selvig.
1: That's, that's thank it. you,
0: thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, starting at four ninety nine, the week of May the fourth. Uh, if you don't have and don't have any Star Wars movies in your digital collection, you want to round that out. That's a good time to do it. For me, I might be buying a lot. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know, Rise I'm... of Skywalker was the first one I ever bought, actually, just digitally. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else I've bought physical, and uh, so it might be time for me to do that. Uh, so.
1: Yeah. I'm curious to see what the price of the bundle will be. And and yeah, if, yeah. if did, you know, I, I'm not sure, if, you know, cause of course on Disney plus we have all of the movies in 4k. I'm wondering if there's going to be a difference between like, if you have the digital version versus what's on Disney plus, like if the quality will be slightly oh, better uh, or, yeah, or, or right. not really discernible and, you know, so yeah, I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing about me, like, I, the one reason why I haven't jumped into digital yet is because now with Disney Plus, I have them on 4K anyway, Mm -hmm. but I'm also kind of at Disney's mercy there, I guess, because if they ever wanted to downgrade that quality or if they ever wanted to, you know, if something ever happens to Disney Plus and that, you know, then, Mm -hmm. then I don't have them. So I don't know, thinking about it, but it might be my time to jump in. Yep uh black squadron's hanging out in, in the chat too and they also told us uh eric selvig so that's yes thank we you guys it. for the thank help you. in the chat thank you all right uh so that brings us to uh, some more may 4th news and that is a new series on disney plus called disney gallery is going to start off on uh, may 4th uh, which also happens to be the date of the last episode of clone wars uh, so we've got a lot happening on May Fourth already, oh, yeah. and uh, between the end of Clone Wars and the start of this gallery series. Uh, but the first Disney Gallery series is going to focus on the Mandalorian, and it's going to be an eight-episode documentary that goes behind uh, this, goes behind the scenes into the making of the show. And then, actually, just today, we got some descriptions of what the first four episodes of that will be. Uh, so, episode one is going to be directing, and uh, the synopsis here is in the first episode, the filmmakers speak about their individual journeys on the way to the director's chair and take us inside the filmmaking process of The Mandalorian. Uh, episode two is called Legacy. Uh, the team behind The Mandalorian examines the profound impact of George Lucas's Star Wars. Episode three is cast. Uh, We have Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, and Carl Weathers discuss the making of The Mandalorian. And then episode four, which I think is the one that I'm really looking forward to, uh, technology. Uh, Favreau and team reveal how a new filmmaking technology was used to bring The Mandalorian to life. I am all game for a documentary series, and I have been saying for a while that I've wanted something like this.
1: On Disney Plus. On especially. Disney Plus, especially yeah. for The Mandalorian,
0: mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of yeah. like a special feature almost type thing. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting an eight-episode series about it, but that's what we're getting. No. And that's pretty awesome.
1: It is. Um, I'm, of course, extremely excited. I love behind-the-scenes stuff, and I'm so curious about what happened behind the scenes in The Mandalorian. We've seen bits and pieces of the technology that they're using and everything. Um, and so I just I can't wait to... See some more from behind the the, man, the production of the Mandalorian. Yeah, um, very yeah, pumped. Definitely. Very pumped. Very pumped about this one. Yeah, yeah. I was I was hoping for maybe like an hour long
0: documentary or something. Uh, you know, behind the scenes and
1: right this and now we might get into even, eight
0: episodes. That's
1: yeah, and depending how long the episodes are, we might get more than an hour. You know, yeah. what I'm thinking. Oh so. yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. I
0: would. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. t- kind of tough to tell with Disney Plus. They're a little weird on yeah. their on their show lengths sometimes. Right. Um, right. But yeah. So. Yeah, very exciting. Uh but moving yeah. along, uh my uh, I wanted to drop this in here. And actually Josh wanted to drop this in here. I wasn't even going to do it cuz it's a little weird talking about my own <laughs> right.
1: I absolutely was very excited for you buddy and <laughs> you know, you. I, I wanted it. I wanted to promote your first article on far far away news and I yeah. think it has a lot of great stuff in there for, you know, during this time of, you know, kind of quarantining i guess and social distancing and and yeah. having things to keep you occupied at home
0: yeah and, and that's what my first article was all about and it was uh star wars for families fun ideas for staying at home and it was basically just things that you can do outside of just watching movies and tv and and you know the, the obvious tv shows um stuff that you can do together as families uh i have a few things in here you can read i do have a few things you can watch uh, some of the youtube stuff especially star wars kids uh and then some things you can do with with your family you know, crafting and uh creating something uh that can you know last for for a while that you can have that that memory with your family uh so we'll I'll include this link in the show notes so you guys can check out check out my article there and uh see all those things that you can do all those Star Wars things Star Wars themed things that you can do uh with your family uh while you're in quarantine
1: so yeah make sure you check that out there's a lot of great ideas in there
0: Cool. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Our last uh news article is a little bit of an oddball. And it comes to us from Cinema Blend. And uh it's actually about the Simpsons and yeah, and I, not gonna... <laughs> I I'll be
1: honest, Adam. <laughs> yeah. When I saw this in the uh, the outline yeah. for the show, I was like, Did he accidentally put that in there? Did I accidentally <laughs> put that in there? How did this Simpsons thing get in here? So Adam, I'm I'm gonna need you to explain this whole Simpsons thing to me. Y- here.
0: Yeah. So I, I I read this article and um you know, immediately I, I, when I read the first quote in here, I was like, "We have to talk about this real quick." Um, so, but this is actually Cinema Blend uh, got to talk with a, a director and producer of The Simpsons, uh, uh, David Silverman, and they talked about a lot of things. They talked about uh, coming under the Disney family. Uh, they talked about some of the uh, some of the formatting problems they've had on Disney Plus, things like that uh but the very first thing uh that they that they talked about uh was silverman uh gave his thoughts about what it what it's like to work uh for disney and how they've been uh, okay to stay hands off with the production of the simpsons uh so his direct quote is here uh it's business as usual disney is extremely great at uh here's a working property that we're now working with and if it ain't broke we ain't going to try to fix it they're taking the same approach they did with Marvel and every other franchise they've been connecting with. It's been great. No change whatsoever. Um, and immediately, of course, I thought, okay, well, that has to equate to Lucasfilm, too, right? They're letting Yeah, me... I
1: mean, now, now I definitely see the connection. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh,
0: and I just want to touch on this because it, it, it's very... Uh, it's very common to see and to say for you know to even say that this is Disney Star Wars and things like that. But I think I always want to remind, like whenever I see that discourse, I always need to remind everyone that this is still Lucasfilm Star Wars.
1: Yeah, I was uh, going to say that this is very much Lucasfilm behind all of these decisions and everything. Right. I, I I think Disney is relatively hands off when it comes to you know exactly how Lucasfilm operates and what they do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh and, and that's what I wanna talk about here is that you know it's I'm sure that Disney has say in in this stuff and I'm sure that uh, you know, whenever they need to step in that they will. Uh but I also think it's very important to remember that, you know Disney is letting Lucasfilm do Lucasfilm's stuff. So And, yeah. and that's why I wanted to sneak that that article in here.
1: Definitely makes sense because, you know, I think there might be a lot of people out there who think Disney has this major influence and it's this is Disney's fault (laughs) if they didn't like the movie or whatever. But I I think even especially Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi is a a prime example of Disney not having that influence because, I mean, he basically him and Rom, his his uh, Ram, however you say his his name, um, Mm -hmm. Who's kind of the producer with him. And I mean, in, in Ryan, you know, wrote and directed the last Jedi and it was, you know, different from many other star Wars films in many ways. And, um, I think that's just one prime example of how, you know, Lucasfilm is, is running Lucasfilm. So, yeah, right.
0: Cool. Uh, Well, that about uh, covers the news, Uh, so if you're ready, we'll
1: switch over to uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, let's talk about this week's episode of The Clone Wars. Good. The show is about to begin.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, Season 7, Episode 9 of Clone Wars was titled Old Friends, Not Forgotten. And uh, right off the bat, we can tell that this is a very, very different episode of Clone Wars. Uh, we don't get the standard intro uh we don't get uh, a fortune cookie, but man, what we got was really cool. Uh we got the you know, the old the original Lucasfilm production uh, Lucasfilm Limited production uh card and then we got the you know the actual Star Wars uh theme music to play is the uh Clone Wars logos fading into the background. Uh really cool stuff. What do you think about that, Josh?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I was, I mean, it just had this different feel to it. it. It just like it had this nostalgic feel to it, and I wasn't expecting I, that. I wasn't either, At all. And, um, you know, and that was and, really cool. I'm I'm not sure if there's any specific meaning behind it, but it it was mm-hmm. it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
0: and, and that's what I was like. I, I almost wondered if you know maybe that was like the start of like, are are they gonna put this into like a little uh, a little. Uh, what do I want to say like a, uh, you know how like the Clone Wars started with a film and I don't know yeah. if they'll ever run to it in theaters, it, but I wonder if maybe they'll just very stitch it together. Cinematic. Yeah. I, like, I wonder if they'll stitch it together into mm-hmm. like a, uh, you know, Siege of Mandalore, you know, uh film thing for just maybe right. Disney plus or something, you know, maybe they'll, right. they'll make it into something like that. But, um, and then th- this was actually called, you know, part one, uh, uh mm-hmm. the episode itself was, was part 1 old friends not forgotten uh so yeah uh i was really pleasantly surprised by that and that just blew me away honestly at, at, when i saw that yeah. that old style lucas film and, and star Wars stuff that was really mm-hmm. cool uh but we uh, I, and uh we've in the past i'm trying to get away from this like we've we've done almost like you know point by point you know how what happens in the episodes and i'm trying to, to uh, I want to talk a little bit more about themes and, and a little bit of you know about that type of stuff. And yeah,
1: you
0: know, first of all, what we get is Anakin doing things his own way uh, again,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Obi Wan thinks that he's overdoing it, of course. Uh, but but this is Anakin doing things his way. So uh, you know, yeah. and and what we get is on that bridge the ambush on on the bridge. Anakin feigns uh, turning himself in. Uh, to the battle droids, and uh, he has, a, he has a backup plan with R2, which was was cool to see R2, a little bit of action with R2 mm-hmm. at this point. We didn't get a whole lot of that this season, actually, we haven't really gotten any of that this season. Um, you know, but but R2 is part of this plan, and uh, I thought that was just a really fun opening. You know, the, the banter with Obi Wan and Anakin was top yeah. notch, uh, and it was, yeah, you know. It, you you get to see Anakin in his element and this is why I've always loved uh clone wars is because it adds so much to Anakin as a character. Anakin in in this series is Anakin that I can fall in love with, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think you see more of that friendship between Obi-Wan and Anakin um that we we don't get to see maybe enough of in in the films and um you know, I just I love that aspect of it, and and it makes his turn even more heartbreaking. Right. And you know, but yeah. I but I thought I, again, I thought this was a, an incredible scene. I I, I too love the banter between Anakin and Obi Wan. I loved even just before Anakin shows up, mm-hmm. um, the, the opening and how Obi Wan kind of jumps onto the scene, and it, it's very it, again, it was very cinematic. It was very epic. It, it yeah. just. I thought it was amazing, um, and yeah, I just really in, enjoyed this beginning part. I, I thought Anakin's plan was great. I mean, it obviously worked, and yeah, I mean, he there's definitely some arrogance there and, and everything, <laughs> which um, you'll have with Anakin, but yeah, but I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, th- uh, th-
0: this the first real theme I pulled out here is this theme of fate because there's this there's this. Theme, especially there's this this part with Anakin and Ahsoka, where you know Anakin is very much believing that this is all happening. Uh, I keep on thinking of that quote from Force One that this is a, happening as the Force will wills it. You know, everything that's happening mm-hmm. is happening as the Force wills it, and you know Anakin is is very much in that camp at this point. You know, he, Anakin Ahsoka's here again, and she has Maul, and Anakin's ready to go. This is the Force. You know, ha- making all this stuff happen. Obi Wan is is very much more cautious about that. Yeah, and he he even says you know he he has some cautious optimism about all this stuff. Uh, he's very mm-hmm. wary about this. So it, it, again, kind of Anakin's gun gung ho. He's ready to jump in, and Obi Wan is thinking thinking about things in a very different way. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and it's weird because they always end up complimenting each other that well that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Anakin's ready to go with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I think I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but no, no, that's fine.
0: Um, We're not really uh, like I I haven't really planned
1: on going like step right. by step,
0: scene by scene in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's also interesting how you know Obi Wan says, "May the Force be with you." To ahsoka i, I think pretty yeah. sure um but then you know ahsoka and anakin are talking about luck and right. how obi-wan doesn't believe in luck you know i think yeah he, yeah, right. he says in a new hope i, th- I think it is in, in my experience there's no such thing as luck i think he says that to han solo um and i, I like that connection but it's interesting that anakin kind of does believe in luck and, and ahsoka instead of saying may the force be with you to anakin she says good luck you know and uh, so i kind of thought that little moment was interesting too
0: yeah uh but that brings me to my big one here The, the main theme that i pulled out of here this whole episode is about loyalty uh and there's examples everywhere about you know loyalty where loyalties lie and how that progresses the story is so first of all first and foremost and since we're talking about this moment anyway uh, Rex and company being loyal to Ahsoka, and you know the the gesture that they pull off with the painting of their helmets, and you know, um, you know, Ahsoka's not part of this anymore. She stepped away. She's not even part of the army anymore. She's 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 gone. And um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways they they could have viewed that as abandonment, but they didn't. You know, mm-hmm. uh, she walked away from that. She walked away from them, and uh they just not only brought her back but they actually showed how much she was a part of them
1: yeah i got to tell you um when she walks into that hangar and and sees the 501st with the the, the paint on their masks and yeah. on their uh, helmets um man i was almost in tears uh, that that was a real that really got me uh that that moment especially the second time i watched it. it just had such a big impact um i love that moment
0: yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know anakin's loyalty isn't just you know where uh, anakin's loyalty is always interesting to to talk about because you know he, he's definitely loyal to the jedi he's loyal to the republic but he's also very very fiercely loyal to to some of the people around him and we saw that mm-hmm. his loyalty to ahsoka in this episode um yeah and when he first sees her, he's just blown away. he doesn't you know he he he's so concerned about her where she's at, how she's doing all this other you know um and then he just wants he he's so glad to have her back you know mm-hmm. uh to, just beyond just the giving the returning the improving of her lightsabers mm-hmm. um he is Again, this is just one of those things that just makes me fall in love with him a little bit more. Um, yeah, he, he's yeah, not supposed I loved- to have connections, but he very clearly has connections. here. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I love all the moments between Anakin and Ahsoka in this episode. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they had a lot of heart, and you know, even I think Ahsoka, the way she was a little bit cold towards Anakin in in parts, but I think she was kind of taking on that leadership role and the kind of the roles were reversing a little bit with Anakin and Ahsoka. And um, she was like, Hey, you know, we got, we don't have time for this. We, we, we gotta, this is what we have to do. We have to get to Mandalore and, you know, there was definitely some desperation there.
0: Yeah. Uh And then Obi-Wan has some interesting loyalties here too. Uh, you know, he's definitely loyal to the Republic, but then what, what really, I think maybe turns him a little bit here is his loyalty to Satine. You know, he's talking to Val yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, his loyalty, I think to Satine is kind of what makes him soften up a little bit here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? Yeah, certainly. And Cause he, you he's know, he, he's, uh... his, yeah, he's reminded of his feelings to, to, to Satine a good bit there.
1: Right. Yeah. Cause he was pretty, he was pretty firm and, and, a little bit cold as well towards towards yeah, Ahsoka, right. um, and everything from from my point of view. But, yeah, and, but you uh, know he. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, obviously his his loyalties are, are with the Republic, in, yeah. In a yeah, and yeah,
0: going war. going back to Anakin a little bit. Um, uh, Pizza and Parsecs is, is with us in chat, and they say uh, that loyalty is what Palpatine capitalizes on in Revenge of the Sith, torn in different directions, which is very true. Yeah, uh, capitalizes absolutely. on on his loyalty, definitely mm-hmm. towards Padme, and then yeah. saving Padme. So yeah, yeah, that that the thought of him being able one, to save her, yeah, that one character trait that I think is uh, you know where Anakin could be exploited, at the end. so and, and this is getting off on a, onto a tangent, but I've I've seen some discussion lately, uh, a little bit about what would have happened if if Qui Gon had been alive to train Anakin, if that same stuff would have happened, I don't think anything yeah. changes. You know Anakin's right. personality is his own, and he still has those character traits that can be exploited you know, they're they're wonderful wonderful character traits uh but they can be exploited and I think that Palpatine being Palpatine would have done it no matter what mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, and I mean, I think Anakin definitely has certain traits that lend itself to the dark side, and I mean obviously he was trained later than his ideal. Um, he is thought to be the chosen one, which puts a lot of kind of pressure and, and the way that the, I guess the way the Jedi council kind of handles Anakin is, Mm -hmm. is partially at fault as well. Um, and you know, maybe if he had been, Anakin had been given a little more autonomy and ability to do things his way sometimes, you know, like we see in this episode, maybe things could have turned out a little differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. And then uh, the final one I pulled out here, and I'm sure that there might be some more. Uh, but Bo-Katan's loyalty is clearly to Mandalore uh, as a whole. You know, she's she's there <laughs> for Mandalore. So, uh, and, yeah. And, and all of this stuff, all these loyalties, very well done because they they all drive the story ahead in some way. You know, Bo-Katan needs to get to Mandalore. She needs to to save her planet from what's happening mm-hmm. with Maul um and and everything that's been everything that he's done to take over control of mandalore um you know so that progresses the need to get there uh we have you know anakin being so loyal to ahsoka that, that he brings her back into the fold and sends her on and mm-hmm. on to do this uh rex's loyalty to ahsoka the 501st as a whole yeah uh to to accompany ahsoka you know to not feel like she abandoned them to actually go with her and, and do all that stuff. So everything there worked together uh to really push this story forward, which I think was really, really well done.
1: Yeah, I think I think obviously too the situation on Coruscant um has escalated things as well and kind of complicated things even more because now they need a heavy concentration of troops and everything to head to Coruscant as well and you know i i really I, I'm, I'm hoping to see like the kidnapping of palpatine like take place and everything yeah yeah i i think that'd be so cool if we get to see that happen you know that yeah. leads directly into revenge of the sith and i don't like, know, I know I hope if we will
0: I, I like i don't know i right. don't know what's going to happen with these next few episodes it's almost like mm-hmm. i feel like that moment between anakin and ahsoka was their goodbye
1: yeah, that was definitely, in my opinion, I don't was, think they're going to see each other no, again. So the rebels, know.
0: yeah, um, and I, I, I mean, we may see Anakin again, but I almost feel like that's where their story kind of leaves off for Episode Three, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it won't, but yeah, you know, th- them leaving to go back to Coruscant, I feel like that's kind of where that, you know, maybe picks up in Episode Three. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in uh, and, and chat again, rural Farm Boy uh, mentioned that there was a bit of a silent division between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, which was absolutely true. And then yeah. Pizza and Parsec says uh, that they felt some resentment there and that uh, you know, almost like um, you, uh, Obi feels like you broke my friend's heart and now I'm mad. Uh, mm-hmm. And that uh, Obi-Wan felt betrayed by her when she left the Order, which is something that he holds very dear, which I, yeah, I totally see that. And there was definitely some... Uh, I don't want to say animosity or anything like that. There was definitely some, it, it was a little uncomfortable between Obi-Wan yeah. and, and Ahsoka, uh, it, you know, where Anakin just it just is all over having her back and just welcomes her back with no question. Obi-Wan definitely stands off a bit.
1: Yeah, I could definitely feel that tension between them and yeah. everything.
0: Yeah, so uh, we uh, the episode ends uh, with with Maul meeting up with with Ahsoka, and this was definitely a trap that he has set. So going back to you know that fate versus uh, you know fate versus cautious optimism, Obi Wan mm-hmm. was a little correct there. Definitely, uh, this is a trap that that uh, this this whole thing was was a trap that Maul had set to get to get to Obi Wan, mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't get Obi Wan. He got Ahsoka, and you know, that's yep. that's where we end.
1: yeah um now adam i don't know I, i could be wrong about this but Brittany and i my wife both had the same reaction when we saw we saw the back of someone and the hair looked very familiar and i thought if could that possibly be sabine um and i don't know if you noticed or not when they're they're on mandalore and then she like turns to the side you see like this her face a little bit but then she puts her helmet on i thought i don't know how that Works out with the timeline or how old Sabine is in Rebels, but I thought that might might have been her. I don't know if anybody else kind of noticed. I mean, Sabine that
0: or... would be in her teenage years in Rebels, mm-hmm. uh, which would probably—I don't know the exact timeline—but that would be there. There would only be a couple years separation there, you know. Because, well, no, maybe not. No, I mean, eh. yeah,
1: I don't know if the timeline matches up. I don't but think it, it does. does. I, th-
0: I think Sabine would have to be pretty young in this.
1: Yeah, it looked a little bit like her, and I wasn't sure how old she was in Rebels, so I didn't know.
0: I, I want to say she's in her teenage years in Rebels, just because of how she, um, she and uh, Ezra kind of kind of match up and get along there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can find out real quick uh, when she was born. She was born twenty one BBY on Mandalore, uh, so. She would be like a toddler, (laughs) I think. Okay,
1: yeah, so that wouldn't that wouldn't line up. Yeah. Uh let's see here. And then
0: get an exact. I'm just trying to get an exact timeline here. Uh so she was what twenty what did I say? Twenty two BBY? and then uh episode 3 is 19 BB so she'd be like 3
1: okay so that was probably someone else and i think that there's some agreement in the chat as well that yeah it probably wasn't Sabine even though it kind of looked like her so yeah so so what were your overall impressions of this episode adam
0: uh, I, I loved it. I I mean, I, I thought this was wonderful. I loved the action in it. I loved, uh, you know, getting the race between Ahsoka and Rex to get down to the surface. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. that her, her Jedi moments jumping in between ships and, and riding on jet, jet packs and, uh, you know, all that stuff to get down to the planet was just really well done. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved the action in the, in this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved I loved the emotion that was in this. Yeah. Definitely. There was some really high emotions in this, not just between seeing a final goodbye between Anakin and Ahsoka and having Ahsoka back and seeing some of the people that she knows and kind of left behind. Uh, but the, see that return. Uh, I loved the, uh, is, was it Vaughn, uh, the clone that died at the end? Um, I think it was Vaughn. Yeah, um, just that
1: moment where he apologizes the, so, to her. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: just just amazing stuff the whole way through. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: easily, easily, hands down the best episode this year so far.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, actually, this might be my favorite episode of Clone Wars that I've ever seen. Um, yeah, although, I'm hearing a lot
0: of that. And I still have yeah. a few episodes um, that I hold up that are,
1: and I I think if this is this episode was pure star Wars. I mean, f- yeah, from the visuals yeah. and how cinematic it was, the, the score. Um, mm-hmm. I think, is it Kevin Kiner? Kevin Kiner. Um, yeah. incredible. Like w- just bringing back some of the old themes and weaving yeah, them in. Yeah. And, um, I think in my opinion, Kevin Kiner should be composing for live action star Wars at some point down the road. Um, I think it was just in the, in the, the moments that, kind of some of the more tender moments mm-hmm. and balanced with the action. Um, it just, man, I had a lot of feels while I was watching this episode yeah. and I, I wanted to immediately watch it again. So for me, this is a 10 out of 10 episode.
0: Yeah. You know. And Siege of Mandalore has the potential to be one of those turning point stories in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so this like needed needed to kick off in a big way. And it it did that hands down, did that. Yeah, it, deli- uh, so.
1: it delivered. This is what I've been waiting for for this season. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, definitely.
0: And uh, Aurora Farm Boy mentions those Crimson Mandalorians. Maybe that's uh start of Crimson Dawn, which is an interesting idea. Could be. Idea. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah. I definitely think that's possible. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, so that was uh, episode nine, and I think we're ready to jump into Rogue One now.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a segment called Rogue One Revisited. Luke, you're
0: going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view.
1: Okay, so recently IGN um, con- conducted a kind of a rewatch of Rogue One. Um, you can find that video on YouTube, and they were joined by a couple writers that um, worked on Rogue One, uh, Gary Witta, and the other one, the other writer is escaping me right now. Again, I might need help with that other name. Um, but I was watching this yesterday, Adam, and it was great. Um, I First of all, I would like, you know, kind of your feelings about Rogue One, um, you know, just as a whole.
0: I love Rogue One. Um, I I usually put it a tad bit lower I think than, than others do as far as my overall mm-hmm. feelings about it in all of Star Wars or all of Disney Star Wars or however you want to say that uh, but I, I I thought it was a, a, a very, very well done movie and the way it just leads in it's almost like episode 3.9 just the way yeah. it perfectly weaves into mm-hmm. uh, episode 4 uh, was pretty brilliantly done
1: so, yeah, I think you could just sit down and watch Rogue one and then episode four right after. And I think that'd make for a pretty fun Saturday. Yeah, afternoon. yeah, pretty much. Pretty um,
0: much. Absolutely. You know,
1: it, it, it does lead so nicely into it. And you know what? Rogue one actually might be my favorite Star Wars film in, in the current era, um, in, that's in, you know, the, the Disney era. Yeah, um, yeah, of course, I love the sequel trilogy, too, mm-hmm. but Rogue one just always stands out. And um, I thought we could. Kind of revisit Rogue One today, um, looking at some of the interesting things that that came from the writers of of the film and 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 this movie went through a, 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 a process it went through a few different writers, and eventually yeah. Tony Gilroy came on and um, kind of finished the movie out and everything mm-hmm. but we're gonna look at some of that, and so I'm just gonna give just some talking points. And what, if you have any reaction to it, you know, react yeah, to it. Yeah. If not, we'll just move on to the next one and I'll give my reactions nope, I'm going to well. be
0: totally silent for the next one.
1: <laughs> 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 but the first thing that came up was um, Gary Witta actually wrote an opening crawl for the film, um, but they decided not to use it. So um, for me... I thought one thing Rogue One was missing was an opening crawl. Um, I, I kind of missed it having one. And I would have loved to have seen an opening crawl for Rogue One. Um, But we didn't get one. They wanted to kind of separate it from the saga films and everything and for it to, to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason ultimately that we, we didn't get an opening crawl. But what are your thoughts I, on this? One? I,
0: I actually prefer no opening crawl there. Mm hmm and uh the reason for basically what you said is that it does set it apart it's it's yeah. a star wars story but it's not a, a star wars you know it's not part of that saga it's it's a little bit of a different thing um i i like that about it and i'm totally okay with it i i think i think it needed just a, a little something different you know kind of mm-hmm. i always say how force awakens kind of needed to just be A lot like A New Hope, to bring everybody back in, uh, to let them know that this is Star Wars again, that this feels like Star Wars again. And then on the flip side of that, I think that Rogue One needed those key points of separation to let everyone know that this is still Star Wars, but this is going to feel just a little bit different, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, you know, and maybe it would have been weird to have an opening crawl with this movie. I'm not sure, yeah. but they ended up having kind of like a cold open, um, which was kind of a flashback to when Jin was younger, and mm-hmm. um, and this opening scene was actually influenced by um, Inglorious Bastards. Have you ever seen that movie, Adam? I have not. No. Okay, uh, that's a Quentin Tarantino. It's and a film I haven't and,
0: seen it right there. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, so, which uh, actually Inglourious Bastards is, is really good. I've, I've um, heard it. I've heard it's good. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino is
0: just not uh, my cup of yeah, tea can, in, I, in most I, cases. I get it.
1: Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, but basically, the idea was, you know, there was a scene in, in Glorious Bastards where they they were trying to hide kind of this. This girl or this family underneath the floorboards. Um, you had like this military figure that was coming in mm. to try to, to find the okay. Jews and everything. Okay. Um, and so basically, that opening where they're trying to hide gin and escape from the military yeah, figure, right. that kind of idea behind it influenced that. So I thought that gotcha. was just kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, the next point is Gareth Edwards was very interested in there being gray area, um, you know, kind of morally gray area for both the rebels and the empire. So I thought of a few characters that kind of are the kind of explore that gray area. I mean, we had, you know, you have saw Gerrera, um, who's kind of a rebellious rebel (laughs) in a way. Yeah. And he's
0: the extreme rebel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Extreme rebel. Yeah. Um, extremist Cassian, who kind of toes that line as well. Um, Um, you know, we see what he does by killing his, his kind of, I wouldn't, guy, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. say
0: he toes the line so much. I would say that he he's very much uh, a rebel. He's very much, but as far as like he's following I, I mean, orders, yeah. yeah, and he does the dirty stuff that uh, mm-hmm. you know maybe the uh, higher higher aspects of the rebellion don't want to talk about. I guess.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And um, and then I thought of Galen Erso too, where he he's kind of doing his job, yeah. Kind of doing his job, he's kind, of, kind of forced to, to be an imperial right, right. and to build the Death Star and and everything. And, and so, you know, I just thought it was interesting that it kind of it blurred the lines. It wasn't just light and dark, good and bad, you know. Um, right. And I like that because I think I, there there is gray area um, that exists, and I think it's interesting to explore. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've uh, I like I, I like that gray area aspect. You know, is one of the things that I've liked about. Um, Lost Stars, is, you know, in that book, is exploring both mm-hmm. sides of of what it means to be on the uh, on one of those two sides in, in a war. Um, but yeah. Uh, that being said, I I I, I like that storytelling that they did then and I'm I'm ready to to move on from that now. So and mm-hmm. but I you know we're getting the Cast and Andor series and all that stuff. Um I thought that was good storytelling then, but I don't want to get stuck on that storytelling, I guess. Right. So
1: um the next point was originally Jin actually went to Ord Mandel instead of jetta to find Saw. Um and so I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. because I think Ord Mandela is mentioned by Han yes, in absolutely. the Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. Um, and originally the rebel base was going to be on Dantooine, mm-hmm. um, um, but they ended up, and then it moved to Yavin in the, in the story, right. but they had to cut these planets out for budgetary reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting that they kind of went to those planets that were mentioned in the original trilogy, yeah, yeah. and it, it would have been cool to see the original rebel base on Dantooine and what that looked like. Um, yeah, and
0: would have given a little bit more of a meaning to Leia's using Dantooine there, as you know, kind of a previous yeah. base, kind of yeah, puts them on, on the on the trail, but, but puts them one step behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one thing I'll say here is that if there's one thing that I would have uh, that I would have liked to have seen, it's more visits to planets that we'd know instead of making new planets for every mm-hmm. every story that we tell. So I would have right. really liked to have seen Lord Mandel in, in, in this. And I, I like what we got in uh, mhm But I, I would have liked to have seen Lord Mandel, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's and I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. There's kind of this mandate from Lucasfilm to create new things. Yeah, and sure. Right. To, and, and I get that. I but get that. Also, I get that
0: too. Because I mean, you do want to fill out a galaxy. This is supposed to feel like a big right. galaxy. And
1: right, I, I But that. it doesn't hurt to revisit those planets. And and we did get a little bit of that with Yavin and, and everything. Yeah. Um. But. The next point I had here was it was important for them, the writers, and you know Gareth Edwards to show the completion of the Death Star with the dish being installed, and um, it was mentioned Mm -hmm. Gareth's ability, Gareth's ability to create epically scaled shots, um, and and how good he was at at making things look epic. And I just love—I
0: mean, that was the iconic shot of the trailer, and then the movie itself, right? Yeah. Was that yeah, it was an amazing installed.
1: shot. It was kind of like over Tarkin's shoulder mm-hmm. too. You see you see the scale of it and everything as he's looking through the window. Yeah, and then um, we
0: talk about scale, and that just reminds me of the uh Skywalker Legacy documentary where we're talking about how big that thing actually is and how yeah. you know how big the Death Star actually is, and you know, um you can't just fit it on a planet. <laughs> you know, you had to do it in pieces yeah. type thing. So uh I think it was yeah. amazing
1: how they were able to capture that scale.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so up next, um, in the original script, Tarkin's role was smaller and he was in the shadows more because, you know, they, they were on a, they didn't know if they'd be able to really, um, Do, yeah bring him back the to digital, yeah. bring him back digitally. Um, but they actually used an old mold of Peter Cushing's face and head to recreate the character digitally because they had this old mold of Peter Cushing, um, Somewhere in the archives. (laughs) Um, So it's just incredible what they're able to do.
0: I would have preferred, I think Tarkin being in the shadows more.
1: Yeah. It's noticeable. Um, It can be a little jarring, um, you know, because yeah, human face is really hard to duplicate, you know? Yeah. And and, I mean,
0: they did a wonderful job doing Mm it, but, that was one of my main complaints about Rogue One when I left the theater initially, and mm-hmm. when I go back and watch it, I feel the same. Uh, is that those CGI characters just take me out of it just enough? That yeah. It, yeah. It it's jarring just a tiny mm-hmm. bit, just just a little bit enough to to yeah. make me say, eh. <laughs> "Yeah, I agree with something you. else." So
1: I agree. Um, this one's pretty. Kind of interesting. The first version of Borgullet was a memory trader. And he <laughs> fed off of memories. And Jin traded memories for the information she needed, I guess. Um and uh, so for Borgullet, not my favorite aspect of Rogue One really, anyway. I like Borgullet. Um Borgullet. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I like poor call. I, I know. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm, I I I know. I'm probably like so in the minority there. I guess, because you're, you're not the first person I've heard say that either.
1: You love all like the weird poor creatures Gullet. and and stuff like that. I mean, I love saw talking about him. Like, <laughs> but, I like it. Uh, I like um, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's Star Wars. There's creatures. Yeah. it's cool. But yeah. Um. But anyway, it was going to be a little different than originally planned. Or, yeah, it became different than it was planned. Yeah. Uh, the planet Scarif, this one's really funny, got its name from a barista at Starbucks, Starbucks who mispronounced Gareth's name. How do you and mispronounce him, Gareth
0: so bad that it comes out scarif, called him though?
1: scarif instead of Gareth? How does that so happen? That's, yeah. That's um, why Starbucks is overrated. Yeah, so sometimes it's <laughs> it's also, Starbucks is overrated. It's, all, but, it's um, also
0: not my favorite coffee ever either.
1: No, no, ahead, I actually pref- I prefer Dunkin' Donuts, but anyway. Um <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting how these things get named sometimes. Sometimes it's just these random th- things, you know, that how names are how you come up with names in Star Wars for things. Um this was that what I spoke about earlier. One mandate from Lucasfilm was to try to create new things, don't have characters bump into known characters just for the sake of doing it. Um story comes first. And one example of that in doing something new was what would it be like to be at ground zero of a Death Star attack while it's in its testing phase? And okay. we get that on Jeddah. Yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah, know what what that would be like to be on the planet um, when, when the Death Star kind of, you know, uses its even a 10 percent power or whatever. Liv, is, um,
0: Liv and Chad is with us about Duncan. It's Duncan over Starbucks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Duncan for sure. Uh, America runs on, Duncan. <laughs> anyway. but, uh, also originally Krennic, um, was i C se- I'm sorry. Cassian was a secret agent for credit. Um, and Cassian like later changed sides in the story. Um, personally, I like what we got with, with Cassian and his story and him being a, a rebel and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know how it would you have start playing around that.
0: with, you know, double agents and flipping sides all the time. It just it gets a little much. So,
1: yeah, it just gets a little. Yeah, I'm OK. Complicated. With, I'm OK
0: with him just being a spy.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, there were several other titles that came up other than Rogue One, including Shadow of the Death Star, Dark Times and Rebellion. What are your thoughts on the title we got?
0: Um, I don't know. I kind of like Rebellion. But I mean the title that we got is, is is fine. So uh
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of Rogue I don't One have any profound being the title. Um uh, no, I mean I know one thing they wanted to do was because like most of the saga films are like three or four words or whatever, um they wanted to do something that was one or two words mm. as the title, just again to separate it from the other films. Um, yeah.
0: Not a fan of Shadow of the Death Star. Dark times, man. I do like the rebellion title of the rebellion's all right. Yeah.
1: Um, the third act was intentionally, intentionally played um homage to the third act of Return of the Jedi, which I think is kind of clear. Um, and they even wanted to use Akbar in the third act, but Gareth didn't want to overuse legacy characters. Um, so they created General Radis. Okay. I love the third act of Rogue One. I, yeah. I think, and, and because it reminds me of Return of the Jedi, and, and the way that okay. it's done, um, I absolutely love love that. You know, you got the ground battle and mission right. going on simultaneously. The the space battle. I I love the intercutting between those two things, and and then you get the the final scene with with Vader in the in the hallway. Right. Um, so, um, now originally um, there was concern. Um, from the writers and from Gareth that killing all of the characters would not be approved by Lucasfilm or slash Disney. Yeah. So in the original script, only K2 died.
0: Why does K2 two always out, have to die? Why?
1: <laughs> yeah, is all, I don't know why K2 is always dying. <laughs> poor, poor guy. Um, but I think it's interesting that they held back on that originally because they thought they wouldn't approve. But then Tony Gilroy came in and was like, they all need to die and Lucasfilm was very supportive of it they loved it you know yeah. um, so that's kind of interesting
0: I actually really would have liked to see some of them survive I'd yeah. like to see Jen survive you know casting I would have I don't know I would have liked to have seen that but
1: yeah I mean it, I guess one thing it does is it becomes hey, sort of like
0: if Maul can get chopped in half yeah then I'm gonna hold out
1: hope <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, that was a, that was a mean, pretty good. It was a pretty big wave. It, it was a pretty yeah. big wave.
0: I know, I know, but yeah. you never know.
1: You never know. Um, they just got to yeah, pull out one of
0: those things from their pocket, like Qui Gon had the breather, mm-hmm. so it will be fine.
1: Yeah, I I like the sacrifice <laughs> of all the characters personally. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought it made I thought it was pretty powerful, in what they had to do in order to save those plans and get them to the rebellion. Um, I mean, it would have been cool to see a couple of them survive, but
0: yeah, yeah. you know,
1: I don't know. I kind of, and, and it also makes it easier to explain why we don't see those characters like in anything else that takes yeah. place after Rogue One. Um,
0: right. But anyway, uh, it, that was yeah. yeah. In chat, uh, Ryan says Ryan Bullock says that he he loves Raddus and he wants to see Radis and in is- show.
1: I love it. I mean, I'd love yeah. to see that. Raddus is awesome.
0: Uh, Rural Farm Boy yeah. says uh, after stream he wants to go watch Rogue One, which I'm thinking about too. Uh, w- but I'm only on episode two it. in my chronological watch through right now, so I don't, I don't want to break that. So <laughs> I'll have to wait for a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I am. But too. yeah, it's definitely getting me in the mood <laughs> for sure. The, watching this thing on on YouTube just got me in such a mood to watch this movie. Um, now, originally there were two main facilities on Scarif. One held the plans for the Death Star, and the other had the communications tower. So, in the original trailer, mm-hmm. you see shots of Jin running across the beach with the plans. You see a little extra shot of Krennic, too, on the beach. Um, I would have liked to have seen this. In you know, we we they had to cut some of it down, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I thought it would have been cool to see some of those shots that we got in the, in the trailer, that on the beach and everything with Jin and you know, taking the plans to the other facility, but we didn't get that, but I thought that would have been cool. Right. The, um, the final, uh, talking point here is the famous Vader hallway scene was actually added very late in production. Originally Vader mowed down a bunch of rebels on the beach. Um, for me, um, very excited. We got this hallway scene. I, I think it's one of one of my favorite scenes in in star Wars at this point and just seeing Vader in action in that way. And and just the hallway creates this kind of claustrophobia and like, you know, there's no escape basically. And, um, you know, I just love that scene. So I'm glad we got it. Even if it was added late. Agreed. So, yeah, that is our Rogue One Revisited and some of the things that could have been different. Um, just some interesting tidbits behind the scenes and stuff from yeah. the the minds of the writers. So Absolutely. That wraps it up for Rogue One Revisited. Now we all want to go watch Rogue One.
0: Rogue One, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Right, are you ready to wrap up episode 25?
1: Let's wrap it up. I'm just glad you're here at
0: the end. Thank you everyone for hanging out with us again this week. We really appreciate it. I know I had some internet problems there today. I apologize for that. Hopefully we'll get that fixed for next week. Xfinity, please help. Uh, But we want to thank everyone that joined us. We had 2Med2, Star Wars Network. We had a Royal Farm Boy. We had Pizza and Parsec's Radio Rebellion. Ryan Bullock, Foxman One Hundred and Fifty, Black Squadron podcast, and Jedi Fangirl all hanging out today. Thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, we hope to see you again next week. We're glad we're glad you had some fun. We're glad to see everyone in the chat. So hopefully we'll see everyone again next week. Uh, remember, if you're just watching live or if you're just listening to the show and haven't subscribed to the podcast, you know, please do that. Uh, we're on a lot of uh, a lot of the main podcasters out there. If you happen to listen on iTunes or just have iTunes installed, leave us a review. Uh, that always helps us get out there and get to more, get to more people and uh, get more people listening to what we're doing and what we're about here. Uh, check out the website from a certainpoint Our socials are uh, Twitter at certain POV pod. Facebook is uh, from a certain point of view. Discord server link is in the show notes and also on the website. Email is certainpovpod at gmail.com, and we are hosted by anchor.fm where you can check us out and follow us there and give a, send in uh, voicemails that we can play on the show. If you have any questions or comments, want to get your voice on here, uh, send us a voicemail. It'd be awesome. So, uh, you can find stuff that I do on the on the internet outside of Star Wars. Uh, I'm on Twitter at thegawz85. I also, uh, like we mentioned earlier, I've been, this this is Star Wars, but I have been starting to write for uh, FarFarAwayNews.com. And I also do some other Disney stuff, and uh, that's at DizTech.WordPress.com. Josh, why don't you tell them where they can find you?
1: You can find me at JediJarJar1722 on Twitter, and you can find me writing articles on MovieNewsNet and StarWarsNewsNet.com. And we thank you so much for joining us today, for giving us a listen, participating in the chat. We'd love to hear from you more in the future uh, throughout the week. And we'll be, be looking for a weekly poll coming up this week as well. And um, just know that everything we said today was true
0: from a certain point of view.